0: Of late, we've heard an awful lot about the far-right being a threat, but is it really bigger than the threat that we face from Islamist extremism as we have for the past two decades? Hi, this is Phil Gersky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting in Russell, Ontario, Canada. Listen to Canadian Intelligence, a eh? podcast about national security and public safety. You're probably getting tired of hearing me say this, but when a pound for pound or kilo for kilo here in the metric system, the single greatest threat to public safety and national security on a global scale is that produced by Islamist extremists or jihadis. They carry out by far the vast majority of terrorist attacks. The numbers are there. The facts are there. You don't have to take my word for it. Simply do a scan of the news on a daily basis. And yet in recent years, here in Canada and elsewhere, there's been a pushback to suggest that perhaps it's the far right we should be worried about. And while there's no question the far right has risen in 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 lethality in the past uh, couple of years, I would agree, is it really that much bigger than Islamist terrorism? And more importantly, is this shift in focus making us less safe? To weigh in on this and other matters, I'm delighted to bring back to the podcast Ian Atchison, a former prisoner governing United Kingdom and also a senior advisor to the Counter-Extremism Project who was with me on a podcast a little more than a year ago, January 2022. And we're going to walk through these issues. So Ian, welcome back to the podcast again, my friend.
1: Thank you very much, Phil. It's a pleasure to be with you again.
0: I came across a fascinating piece of information, Ian, about a week ago. And the title was Prevent. So Prevent is the United Kingdom's kind of C- you know star CVE program. It says prevent far right referrals outnumber Islamic extremism for the second year running. Now, up until a couple of years ago, I know that within your country, United Kingdom, that from a terrorism perspective, the greatest threat was, of course, that's that of Islamist extremism. MI5, uh, the British Security Service, a great partner of ours that ceases for years, would say publicly that they had well north of 20,000 people of interest, uh, several dozen ongoing threat to life plots that were credible. How has it we got to this point where in terms of uh, young people being referred to prevent... Now, Now it's a CVE program. It's an early prevention program. Have we really seen that much of a turnaround in the last couple of years?
1: Well, it's a, a really good question. And um, you're right to make the distinction between prevent, I think, and the other elements of our national counterterrorism strategy. Um, I think that distinction has grown far too wide in, uh, in recent years. And that's uh, something to do with the... Um, the skew in um, statistics versus uh, reality or lethality, if you like, that, that we're seeing with these referrals. <clears throat> so so just to be clear to your, your listeners, um, PREVENT is part of our contest strategy, our counterterrorism right. strategy. Four, and four the, pillars. The purpose right? yeah, the purpose, yeah of, of PREVENT is to stop people being drawn into violent extremism terrorism and um, it differs from the other elements because it is as you've said the the kind of front-end triage system where um, uh, professionals can make referrals to the prevent program about people who they um, believe are at risk of being drawn into violent extremism and in the united kingdom that's backed up by a legislative responsibility called the prevent duty which mandates uh, public officials from our uh, police healthcare. Uh, and education systems, uh, and, and so on, to make those referrals. Now, um, I think uh, the statistics said that the last, the last time they came out, the official statistics on referrals uh, said um, uh, for the previous year to the 31st of March of last year, there were 1,230-odd referrals owing to concerns related to extreme right-wing radicalization. Uh, and that um that number um exceeded I think the number of people who referred for uh, islamist extremist um right. ideologies. I think that was roughly about a thousand and sixty four uh, and that um change in emphasis has come around um only over the last couple of years or so. So I suppose logically you would assume that these if these referrals are increasing, it reflects perhaps in reality an increasing threat from uh, neo-fascism or uh, uh, neo-Nazi white supremacism and so on. Right, a real, but that a real,
0: dog, a real dog's breakfast of actors. It's right. everything from, yeah. Sure, okay.
1: sure. But, but that certainly has not translated into reality. So something else might be going on here and uh, it's concerning and we might get on to um, PREVENT because the PREVENT review led by William Shawcross is due to report imminently and has quite a lot to say about the, um, the, the, the mismatch between the amount of people being referred and the actual threat that is posed uh, to national security in this country. Um, but uh, basically, um, I think part of the problem is that the narrative of the threat posed by uh, extreme right-wing uh, terrorism and ideology has been talked up now, why has it been talked up? I think because uh, there, there have been concerns in, uh, in our official security establishment, if you like, that the, the emphasis on the threat, which is certainly in this country, in terms of the statistics, in terms of the disrupted late-stage plots, in terms of those in custody, in terms of the arrests that are being made, still significantly, by some way, the threat from Islamist extremism, right that's the preeminent threat um but why in this case um has uh have the numbers of referrals for prevent be uh not reflecting that you know that reality and i think there's been some discomfort amongst the the official uh security establishment that uh th- this dichotomy uh in terms of the threat is is causing problems is uh, looking like stigmatization of a particular mm. community, in this case, the Muslim community. Mm-hmm. So there's been a, a fairly relentless attempt, I think, to talk up the problem of extreme right-wing ideology and terrorism. Now, both of us aren't saying, you and I, Phil, aren't saying, that uh, you know n- neo-Nazi extremism isn't a threat. Of course And, not. of course, we have had examples in this country where that threat has, has come, you know, as... as uh, resolved itself into the murder of, of people on our streets, uh, outside a mosque, for example, and and mm-hmm. uh, the, the murder of Joe Cox.
0: And here in Kent as well, yeah,
1: yeah, I, I, and and elsewhere as well. So we're, I'm not denying the the issue, but if you look at the scale and the sophistication and the lethality of, of um, mm-hmm. Islamist extremism. I think what we've got here is a an attempt, maybe a well-meaning attempt, to create a kind of false equivalency in the threat. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that's extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. You, know, for, you know, First of all, mm-hmm. if you look worldwide, who are the people that are murdered the most by Islamist extremists? And of course, As the them, answer is Muslims. The Muslims. Yeah, yes. the Muslims, yeah. So if, if we misrepresent this threat, we're actually um, – uh exposing people potentially to to more harm because our eye is taken off the ball now one of the other problems uh about this misperception and it's um you know it's constant sort of um production in, into the uh the official narrative that you know one side is as bad as as the other is that it has generated an enormous surge of quite ludicrous referrals Uh, relating to extreme right-wing radicalization into prevent, which I think has had the effect of of overwhelming and uh, disempowering the officials, the the good people, and there are many good people who work as prevent practitioners. Um, So they're so concentrating on this um, uh, right-wing phenomenon, this chimera, basically, <laughs> um, that, that they, they are um, failing to spot maybe some of the black swans, as it were, who are right. sailing past them. Right. And, you know, there are a lot of people, uh, and, you know, this will go across ideologies, but particularly in relation to the statistics that we are seeing coming out, there are a lot of young young men in, in particular that are at risk of being securitized because of, you know, absurd suspicions mm. that they're mm-hmm. getting drawn into terrorism on the basis of something they might have said or something that's been misunderstood by a teacher in a classroom. Well, there's a really Uh, good example,
0: Ian, that you give in in an article that I'll put for the Times, and it's that in one Mm -hmm. case, an 11-year-old was referred to prevent after a teacher mistook alms for arms, the teacher had asked the class what they would do if they had a lot of money. The boy said he would give alms to the oppressed. The teacher interpreted his arms and referred this kid to prevent. Like, this is a simple misunderstanding of a, what a person said, and yet it becomes a referral. This is, this is ludicrous, is it not?
1: Yes. I mean, I, I think, you know, one of the, the key ways that prevent must be reformed is we've got to stop this mission creep that mm-hmm. seems to be encompassing sad, insecure, and inadequate young people uh, and, and bringing them into the ambit of our counterterrorism strategy. I mean, how does that make sense when we've got scarce resources and yeah. we've got a known, quantifiable, and lethal threat that is posed in the main by Islamist extremism? I mean, yeah. we, we, you know, I, I've characterized this approach before, uh, as I probably said your, on your program when I was on about a year ago, Phil, as institutional timidity. <laughs> it's the kind of path of least resistance where <laughs> officials will always and and ever want to say, well, the threat is symmetrical; one side is as bad as the other. And you know, as I've said, that serves nobody, and it's dangerous. It's a dangerous complacency, which uh, you know w- w- will allow uh, you know bad actors to get past. We've got a very poor record here in detecting um, disguised compliance deception by terrorist mm-hmm. offenders uh, or or those who have been scooped up by uh prevent i th- i think in that article we mentioned that you know of the most significant uh, um 11 terrorist events in this country in recent years 6 of them have uh been um committed by people who've had prior encounters uh, yes. and connections with with prevent so you know there 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 are a lot of people on the other side who are the detractors of 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 prevent who will say this is a securitized oppressive um attempt to control the Muslim community through fear and through characterizing them as, as you know, all as, uh, you know, potential suspects in terrorism. I mean, nothing could be further from the truth. But I think one thing the detractors and the supporters of Prevent as a concept will agree on is that it simply isn't working.
0: Right, right. Now, you use an interesting phrase there, Ian, uh, institutional timidity. I love that phrase. I'm going to steal it from you if that's okay. Um <laughs> You're talking to a Canadian here where I have a government that can't even utter the phrase Islamist extremism. They use religiously motivated violent extremism, which suggests to me that the Mennonites, the Amish, pose as much of a threat to us as Islamist (laughs) extremists do. And I keep saying, when's the last time you saw a Mennonite suicide bomber? Well, first of all, they all you know ride horses and buggies. They're not very effective. Uh, So you've been very polite so far, and you've been rather restrained in your comments. I'm going to push you a little bit. Is this just political correctness gone wild? Like you said, there are some well-intentioned, well-meaning people. We, we both know who they are. who are doing the best job that they can. But when we're forcing to look at this problem through that lens of, well, we can't offend anybody. It seems we're entering a, an era in the Western society where, you know, microaggressions and people are offended by the by the simplest possible phrase. Uh, this can't end well, right? I mean, are we going to get to a point? And I don't want you to predict, Ian. I'm not asking, you're looking at your crystal ball. But are we getting to a point where this way of looking at this problem is going to end up where we're going to miss something because we've been told, well, we don't want you looking at that as much anymore because it stigmatizes the community.
1: Well, you know, you're inviting me to be rude, but <laughs> um, you know, I'm not. I'm not sure what value it is in talking about you know, political correctness gone mad because that that phrase has lost all its, yeah. its meaning. But what what I would say is, you know, maybe we could agree on liberal authoritarianism, because it is ironic, isn't it, that this sort of institutional committee, th- this sort of um, desire to um, equate the problem of far-right and Islamist ideologies into a comfortable kind of um, blob of one's as bad as the other, the effect of that through the, through the agencies, through our counterterrorism agencies, is the securitizing of a growing number of young people for thoughts that will never translate uh, into to actions. Exactly. And again, as I've said, that's a waste of time and scarce resources, and and is quite is quite dangerous. A lot of the people are being scooped up by prevent at the moment because of a, a kind of conf, confected uh, you know uh, moral panic over extreme right wing terrorism, which has never uh resolved in this country principally because we think fascists are ludicrous and we always have done right back from you know oswald mosley onwards right and we're you know we're we're predominantly a um i'm going to show my age here a decent people who you know who follow the rules in the united kingdom so you know i i I I think we've got well-meaning people who are who have projected us into this this space you know where we're not too far behind uh the 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 canadian um uh, example that you, you gave, I think, of simply being petrified to actually name the problem. Yeah. We're yeah. not there yet. And what my hope is, um, is, is this week that the Shawcross review will come out and it will be an opportunity for politicians, if they want to grasp it, to be able to reset um, our prevent strategy completely and say, instead of being, a, a, I've described it as a sort of crash for disaffected young people. <laughs> uh, you know, we need to focus on where the harm is you know, one of the interesting um, things is um, ab- about the statistics that the average age of the terrorist offender who's banged up at the minute in uh, UK custody, overwhelmingly, those are Islamist extremists, by the way, right. um, uh, you know, is, is about 33. Okay. But yet we're, we're securitizing growing numbers of, of young people. 11 you're 18 year and You're 17, 18, 19-year-olds. No, there's no question that some of those people without an intervention are actually, you know, quite likely to become harmful, uh, you know, in 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 some respect. But often the intervention that's needed is not a secure national security intervention. It is, you know, further back in their their um, you know their, their development, a mental health intervention, a psychological intervention. Yeah. Again, yeah. one of the one of the damaging and worrying things about the mission creep and prevent is. They are they're inventing new categories now that they're measuring. So for example, incels yes. is now being measured as a specific. Oh, don't category. get me
0: started on incels, Ian, in, Please, do so go down that road.
1: <laughs> well, it, i think it's important in relation to prevents business. And it's 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 one of the fastest growing categories. Uh but you know, often these people who are categorized as as incels will will be and there's another uh, really bizarre category of um, people who pose no who've been triaged and pose no counter terrorism risk mm-hmm. so so those people why why are they even in the ambit at all well we've got a problem here and and actually incels is a good example because that of course is not a a coherent ideology a political right. ideology right. as is islamist extremism as is um you know the white supremacist neo fascist yeah. uh, ideologies Agreed. it's just a collection. Of, of sad and inadequate individuals who are yeah. enraged you know if i can be blunt about this by the fact they can't get laid yeah now, let's just look at that for a second because i am not suggesting that some of these people you know their their thoughts don't translate into murderous action and of course the the uh, awful tragedy we had in in plymouth last year when when a, a young man murdered his mother and then four other individuals before killing himself with with a shotgun and marauded around the community and absolutely terrorized them. I mean that that is uh, you know appalling. But you know people are quite on the basis of that uh, there's been an an enormous kind of push from uh the left pre- predominantly to get incels you know described as a particular yeah. uh, uh terrorist category. Yes. But I think Canada. again that that completely misses the point. Some of these people need help and some of them definitely need to be controlled. But the the incel um, incident in Plymouth that I'm describing, uh, that that appalling incident, what was actually a failure of uh, police gun licensing. It was a failure of uh, our, our um, primary care GP system to be able to communicate concerns to the police. You know th- these these are our system failures. They're they're not national security failures. Uh, you know as, as tragic as those failures were. So again, we need to get prevent cleaned out of all these people who are now gumming up the system we certainly need as uh, as william shawcross i think is going to suggest in his um in his review uh properly experienced counterterrorism professionals chairing prevent meetings i mean i would want to go further i would want the complete nationalization of the the program because at Mm -hmm. the moment as you probably are aware it's um a a a creature if you like of of our local authorities yeah Definitely. and some of our local authorities uh, have a political complexion and have people within those uh authorities working with prevent who are you know um not convinced about the um at best uh, about the the philosophical kind of importance of prevent and at worst uh seem to work against it mm-hmm. and and i think the the report is going to you know illustrate uh some of those problems that we have. Um, and I've described you know, Prevent before as a, a parish council solution to a national security problem. And, you know, Prevent needs to be nationalized. It needs to be, in my view, it needs to be professionalized. It needs to be much more narrowly focused on, on real harm. Who are the people who are going to become the next generation exactly. of jihadists or indeed the next generation of um, extreme right-wing terrorists. Exactly. How can we spot them better? And when yeah. we do spot them, what is it that we can do? But of course, that's a subset. You know, we're we're still picking up people in prevent who ought to have been spotted. You know, f- much further upstream. Even if we do all those things that I've suggested might happen with reforming uh, 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 prevent, but we're still not stopping them at the right point. So we've got some really difficult societal. Questions to answer here, which is beyond the purview of a counterterrorism uh, program. It's right. about, you know, uh, for example, why is there a massive overrepresentation with young Muslim men in our prisons? It's to do with why are there communities that are still, um, you know, uh, where, where there are people, uh, you know, second or third generation British Muslims, in particular, young people um, living parallel lives to the rest of society. What impact? does economic regeneration have in creating the circumstances and a narrative where there are um, different options to live a good life other than, um, you know, martyrdom, to be be blunt about it. So there's Mm -hmm. lots of big questions that Mm -hmm. need to be answered as well. But, you know, we have got to make a start somewhere. And Mm -hmm. I think starting with a root and branch reform Mm -hmm. of prevent is the right place.
0: I'm looking very forward uh, to William Starcross's review of Prevent and to see what he has to say. But I also, I want to pick up on the last point, Ian. Now, I'm, I'm quoting you from an article that just came out. In fact, it's today, February the 6th. It's in the uh, the Times of, of London. The title is, Sack Civil Servants Who Gave Funding to Islamist Extremists Says Expert. You are quoted as saying that, in fact, anyone from the Home Office who decided to fund groups that have spread, and they use the word Islam, I use the word Islam, it doesn't really matter, extremism should be sacked. And he says that you know some Muslim organizations, individuals are actually promoting extremist narratives and they're getting funding from the government. So how in heaven's name does that happen? We know that the vast majority of British Muslims, Canadian Muslims, American Muslims are just average citizens, they're not extremists. But we do know that there are centers and individuals that do spread extremist messages. How is it that these organizations are being funded by the UK government in the first place?
1: Well Phil um just to be clear I don't write the headlines. No and, I, know, um, I know I know I <laughs> know. And, and what what I've actually said is um that the officials we, we need to follow the money basically. If as is expected there are examples of prevent funding which uh often gets you know dispersed to communities for uh various uh you know well meaning programs but if if there is evidence and uh, you know the, the leaks suggest that showcross has got evidence that some of this funding is going to uh, people who are associated with or uh you know at worst who are um advocating um violent extremists or defending them then then that's a, clearly that's a fairly major uh, breakdown in uh the, the, what the prevent funding was Intended for, which was to promote community cohesion, not to enable people to uh, do the opposite and promote uh, hatred and and division. So what I've said is that uh, you know, and journalists, you know, I hope will do this uh, that we need to follow the money. If there have been examples of no due diligence taking place and groups being funded whose aims and, and values and output is antithetical to the promotion of uh, you know, liberal democratic values, then what the hell were the people in charge yeah, doing yeah, yeah. allowing this to take place? We need more Good information point. about that. And obviously we need to to hear a, a response or a defense from those. I, I'm afraid I'm not going to be terribly impressed by, you know, Oh, you know, we we just weren't aware of um, some yeah. of the things these people were saying. Uh, you know, this this is what government is supposed to do. This is what civil servants are supposed to yep. do with the disbursement of you know what is taxpayers' money. Exactly. And I think if, you know the, the the likely emergence of uh, incidents where public money is being given to people who uh, you know su- support violent extremism. That's going to be outrageous, and that does demand a a Proper response from government and proper accountability, and perhaps you know, in the end, um, it, it's going to you know uh, result in in this you know some people being sacked. We don't have a right. great track record for uh, public officials being sacked for doing things no, badly. No, neither do we. Canada, uh, yeah. Ironically, some of them get promoted. Uh, <laughs> but but I, I am I am biased um, with the Ministry of Justice not that regard. Right.
0: Right. Ian, last question. We've talked a lot about Prevent and the William Shawcross's uh, Shaw review of it. I'm just curious, um, maybe you have proprietary information that I don't have. What do you expect the review to say and what do you expect the, the, the response to the review will be uh, on multiple sides of UK society? Are people going to say, are they going to reject the findings? Are they going to find that the findings go against what they have, what they're trying, the message they're trying to sell? What do you expect to happen in the next couple of weeks?
1: Well, um, I think the report will be extremely controversial, um, and it was never going to be cool. otherwise. Particularly when you had a coalition of uh, organizations and pressure groups and activist groups who are opposed to prevent uh, you know g- getting their uh, their kicks in early and saying right. hey, they have nothing to do with the review, and uh, you know it was just going to rubber stamp you know uh, the the oppression of you know, particularly the Muslim community. Right. So I, I think we need to wait and see what the review actually. Says, I mean, we've seen some leaks. I'm afraid I don't claim any special uh, knowledge mm-hmm. of, of what exactly it's going to uh, contain. But I, you know, I, I, the things that I've mentioned are, are likely to, to to be in it. You know, criticism of these groups mm-hmm. and the officials who've supplied them with money to um, oppose you know, British values, and uh, the need for uh, more uh, focus on harm and a reduction in the uh, the, you know, the false. Uh, e- equivalence uh, and what that means in terms of throughput for prevention uh, with Islamist extremism and far-right extremism, because they are very asymmetrical threats.
0: Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, so,
1: you know, th- th- there's quite a lot going on there. Uh, and, you know, William Shawcross has, uh, you know, at some cost to his own reputation, uh, produced this report. And I very, very much hope that, uh, you know, to, to answer your last point, that ministers are robust in saying we accept the recommendations, we will implement this, and we will change things. Because Prevent as it is, is not fit for purpose in spotting those black swans, if you like, that are sailing by as people are preoccupied with sad and inadequate teenagers.
0: Well, I guess we're going to have to wait and find out what the review says, Ian. But listen, I want to thank you for coming back on the podcast. It's been far too long since I've had you on. I've got... Uh, a sneaking suspicion i need to bring you on more frequently rather than less frequently but thank you for weighing in on a very important issue uh, and i think pushing back against some of the narratives that have been growing in your country and my country that the real threat has somehow been diminished and that this this false threat it's it's real but it's not as big as they say it is is gaining ground so listen sir i, I thank you again for being on the podcast and
1: we'll talk again soon an absolute pleasure phil good to talk
0: that was my conversation with Ian Atchison of the United Kingdom. What do you think about this notion that perhaps these ideas that the far right is surpassing as terrorism are having effects on government programs and by extension, having effect on the security service? Love to hear your feedback. You can reach me on email borealisrisk at or on Twitter at Borealis you also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you like the content, want to get more, go to the website borealisthreatness.com, hit the subscribe button. It's free of charge. All the blogs and podcasts can be sent to your inbox. Love to hear your feedback on this and other matters, maybe ideas for other guests. We'll talk again soon. Until then, stay safe.